0: From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 222 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Here it is, the 123 Guide to Panic Really, really important. I wanted to make this episode extremely informative. I wanted to give you the reasons behind your panic as well as the one, two, three guide to panic. What happens when, bam, it hits you all of a sudden. You're in the subway, you're in the shopping mall, you're in the taxi cab, you're in the classroom, wherever it is take this podcast with you, and then implement the strategies here today. I want you to share this with somebody you know who is suffering from panic because most likely than not, they are not getting the right information. It's all about relatability. The reason why the channel is growing rapidly like it is is because of the relatability of my story. I overcame Anxiety and all the subcategories of anxiety, agoraphobia, depersonalization, uh, health anxiety, man, it really impacted my life in overcoming that. A lot of people connect with that because I followed a program, I followed a structure and I'm always continuously learning about what's going on in the body and what is the best strategy to tackle something like Anxiety and then this, and in this episode, panic. Okay. So share it with them. And if you're going through panic yourself, welcome. I think the best way to start off this episode is to talk about my challenge with anxiety and panic at the age of 10. This is when it first made itself known to me. It's, I find with my clients, it's very typical around seven eight nine ten um so this happened to me around 10 around 10 it could be nine but i would say around 10 and i was in the basement watching a movie with my family it was mission impossible it was exciting exhilarating and as a young kid you know just being blown away by it but also at the same time something happened I looked inwards, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, what's that? Rapid heartbeat, perspiration, shallow depth of field, the whole shebang. And I couldn't control it, and it was the lack of control. I remember being the catalyst to me getting up and running out of the basement. I didn't know what to do, so I had the flea mentality of the fight, flight, or freeze. So I got up, ran out of the basement, and then my folks came after me wondering, oh, what's going on with Brad? And I was there. They knew what was going on. They knew I was overly excited. They knew that the movie was intense, and they told me to put my head between my legs and breathe deeply and compose myself and then to come back and watch the movie, which I did. And that was reassuring, right? And, and also, I remember that being the start of my reassurance dependency with my folks as well. You know, I always relied on that reassurance to help me when I was in my 20s. And so I saw, I saw a correlation there from when I was 10. But To pick this more apart, like what's really going on in that situation? And we have to turn to this ancient part of our brain, the amygdala. The amygdala, this part of the brain, it's it's old, man. So if you think that you have control over it, you're dead wrong because it has more control over you. It works instinctively and reflexively and just but if you know what's happening then you can work with this system and this is why this podcast is so important so the amygdala it works by association the brain reacts to novelty with hesitance with resistance with curiosity right so the novelty of me at 10 was what's this heartbeat thing what's this perspiration thing and lack of control thing all happening here i don't know what's going on novelty right novelty and without fully exploring that novelty the amygdala will hold on to the situation and all of the sense data associated with that situation so that makes sense right because the amygdala doesn't want us to walk into the same situation again in the future. It's looking out for our safety. I reacted to all of my sensations as life-threatening. I ran out of there, and then the amygdala went, "Uh uh-oh, all of these sensations, this situation equals dread. Let's not get back here. Okay, but what happens then in my 20s when I'm in the shopping mall, which this did happen, by the way. And I felt the heartbeat. I felt the perspiration, shallow depth of field. And then I was like, "Uh uh-oh, danger, danger. There isn't even any rationality in that situation because the amygdala automatically associates the time when I'm 10 and me fearing that situation. And then as soon as I notice the perspiration or any of those symptoms, bam, reflexively my amygdala goes danger. And what's my go-to response? Get up and run out, which I did. I ran to the entrance, I sat down, and I even phoned my family, right? There is this routine happening here. And you might have your routine with panic. It might not be the same with mine, but there is a routine that's very, very similar here. So Yes, the amygdala works by association. It takes all of what's in the environment. And so if it's a situation where you might feel trapped, you might feel uh, like you're going to lose control, and you might potentially embarrass yourself while you lose control in front of other people, then the amygdala will react to that situation. So even though a panic attack in a shopping mall is you know, a shopping mall is different than a movie theater or a subway. The, the environments are actually very, very similar. And that's why you experience panic in these different places. It's because of those underlying things. It's the fear of losing control. It's the fear of being somewhere away from somebody safe, a doctor, a hospital, your family. And then maybe embarrassing yourself in front of other people. Right? So, those are the key factors here. So, if you are not writing this down, please write this down or re listen to this episode over and over and over again. So, these hyper novel situations, like losing control of your body, right? Your heartbeat, you know, usually this is due to a past experience you've already had, right? So, think of a time when this similar something similar happened to you you know sometimes it's it's something else if you cheat on somebody and it really affects you that will manifest itself in health anxiety i've seen that happen if a loved one dies that can manifest in health anxiety if i don't know you 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 do something really terrible or your life is in chaos and and drastic things are occurring in your life that can result in health anxiety there's just too much to contend with and because there's too much novelty you start to you know get the symptoms of anxiety and then you react to the symptoms of anxiety and what happens then now the novelty of the symptoms is on top of everything else that's happening and a lot of the time people wind up in psychotherapy because of all of the novelty they have to sort out in their life right and so yes it's very confusing but but it's it's one novelty at a time to tackle that will help resolve your anxiety so going back to the fear of losing control so yes We have these key factors here, the fear of losing control, making a fool out of yourself, being away from medical and your family to help you, that's crucial. But here's the thing, when you actually leave the environment, you're strengthening the circuit of that fear, that avoidance circuit. And this is really, really interesting. The amygdala categorizes the situation you were leaving as something that needs to be avoided at all costs, okay? Because of the reaction that you had, the amygdala goes, oh, you know, because Brad ran away, this is something we need to store and avoid, store and avoid. So now when you arrive in any situation like this in the future, which I already talked about, the amygdala will sound the alarm. And then what's also important is that the amygdala has longer lasting memory than the cortical brain. It's longer lasting, right? So when you have that anxiety in the shopping mall, it's like it's hard to pinpoint rationally what is exactly going on? Like, where did the, this originate from? Uh, and yeah, that's overwhelming. But this is something that can be dealt with. You can conquer health anxiety and panic. All right, let's get into the steps. The first thing about in, uh, panic is that you must spot that you are having a panic attack. So I'm using this acronym, S-T-A-Y. The S is spotting. Shine truth on your current situation. Oh, I'm having anxiety right now. Label it as anxiety, okay? Be real with yourself. I'm having an anxiety episode, I'm not doing well, oh my God, this is anxiety, great, okay? The T is think. The amygdala is taking over. And that's the thing. When the amygdala takes over, you can't use your rational brain. You can, but it's more difficult to use your rational brain. And that makes sense because if you were encountering a snake, it's important that the amygdala responds reflexively so that you can... Jump out of the way as quickly as possible so that the snake doesn't get you. That makes sense. It, if you thought rationally about jumping, then that takes longer and the snake would have bit you. So we evolved this way. And yeah, it makes total, total sense. But when you're in the midst of anxiety, you can have mantras to help lessen your grip over the chaos. Because it's when we try and control the situation, we actually increase the anxiety because we can't actually control something that's so ancient like the amygdala. And that's only gonna put more stress on you. The, The fact that we can't get a grip over the anxiety. So that's really, really crucial. But the grips over the lack of control can make anxiety worse because of the fact you can't get control over this ancient response. This is what I have written down. I love that line. So I recommend that you use phrases like, if it kills me, let it. Or this is an opportunity. Or this is a challenge. Or so what if I... Faint. So, what if I lose control? So, what if I die? Then, if I'm dead, I won't have to worry about this, right? So, lessen your control over it. Start speaking to yourself. Accept the situation that you're in. And also, a great mantra to use is I am more than this fear. So, write these down. If it kills me, let it. This is an opportunity. Or this is a challenge or so what if I blank or I am more than this fear these mantras they do change the frame of your situation it's the opposite of adding fuel to that fire of your anxiety confronting challenge forthrightly this activates a different circuit it act it actually activates this exploratory circuit in the brain. And it lessens its grip over the fear circuit that you have over the situation. So that's important. So let's review so far. We have S, which is spot. Spot the truth of your situation. The T is think, use mantras. And then A is air. Air, use box breathing two by two by three i recommend that you start off when you're having anxiety since you're hyperventilating already breathe in for two seconds hold for two and exhale for three breathe in for two hold for two and exhale for three and this helps increase the supply of oxygen to the brain, and it activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest system. This is the opposite of your anxiety system. Breathing helps you connect with your body, and it gets you out of your mind. You start to notice the environment rather than being so associated with the thoughts running around in your head so the combination of breathing and those mantras together are so useful this is what's going to help you get over that panic the next letter of the acronym is Y, which is yield wait in the environment until your anxiety moves from a level 10 to a level five at least a level five now, I can't emphasize this enough. S- staying in your environment is so crucial for desensitization from panic. This is so important because the brain works by association. And when you stay in the environment and you don't die or don't faint or don't vomit or you can actually thrive Maybe not at first, but you can't actually survive that environment. Then the amygdala goes, oh, Brad won't die here. But the thing about the brain is that it needs to be told multiple times to get the message. So you might go to the, in the environment the first time and your anxiety moves from a level 10 down to a 5. And that's great. You go home. You feel emotionally drained. But... When you go back, it's a little bit less, but you still feel anxiety. You still feel panicky, and that's normal. A lot of people say, oh, well, Brad's technique, it didn't work. It doesn't work like that. You have to go back again and again and again until the brain gets the message. Keep going back. You might have to go back 12 times. I remember the first time I was going back to an environment, the art gallery, where I first... Well, I didn't first have a panic attack, but I had a big panic attack at the art gallery, and I ran away. I ran out of the building the first time I had that panic. So um, so you can imagine going back, for me, I was on the subway, so much anxiety hit me because my brain knew that I was going back into an environment that i knew to be fearful that would that you know i could lose control again and make a fool out of myself again and so forth so what i did was i rode the wave of anxiety i said my mantras i went into the environment it was emotionally draining a lot of the time i was in my head and not really enjoying the paintings but when i got home that day I, I felt this self-respect hit me. I did this thing that was so difficult. It was like climbing Mount Everest. But also I had to deal with those feelings of, well, I didn't enjoy the the gallery. I didn't enjoy the paintings. Uh, and, you know, it, it wasn't worth it or it wasn't working for me, this whole thing. But then I had to go back to, and say to myself, well, I'm conquering something that's really difficult. This takes a lot of time. I just got to keep doing this over and over and over again. And so that's what I did. And eventually I go to the art gallery and my anxiety is zero. It's zero. It got to a point where I, I was even telling myself, you know what, today I hope I get a panic attack. So I actually challenge myself. So I change the frame of the whole situation I hope I get panic. I'm excited to challenge myself. And what do you know? Panic doesn't even come. Sometimes it does a little bit. But when I change the game like that, it rarely does. And here's the thing about confronting those situations that you know to be anxiety-producing. Once you, once you start to conquer, I guess you can say, that that situation that bravery bleeds out into all areas of your life let me give you an example if somebody says to me brad okay i gotta work at you know lessening my anxiety on the subway but what about the classroom what about the movie theater what about this what about that and i go whoa 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 just pick one environment that makes you feel anxious and focus on that okay conquer that so you can do it gradually so what i would do to or what, how i would guide my client would be something like, well, how about you imagine the situation in your mind? How will you, how will it, how does it make you feel? And they're sitting in a chair in their home and it makes them anxious, right? So this helps the amygdala get bored of it, right? You imagine the event in your mind's eye and you'll feel anxiety. You'll feel uncomfortable but keep doing that exercise until the amygdala gets bored of it but then also drive to the environment that makes you feel anxious and sit in your car until your amygdala gets bored of it and then come back home so each one of these is a different day okay don't do you can do it in two ways, gradually or all at once. I was an all at once guy. I just showed right back up into the art gallery and I faced that damn anxiety. You can do that, right? You can do that. Or you can do it gradually. Imagine the environment at home until you're bored. Drive there until you're bored. Maybe walk to the subway platform, stay there until you're bored, and then leave then another day you go and you get on the subway and then you get off quickly and like that's your day right and then and the next time you you get on the subway and then you ride it one stop and then you get off and that's another day and then you just build on these wins over time then eventually when the situation no longer produces anxiety, you will notice that the other areas of your life don't produce that much anxiety as well. That's because you've built on this bravery, right? Rather than coping, rather than taking a medication or avoiding situations or, you know, having that glass of scotch right before you go to the event or, you know, that weed you decide, you know what? I'm going to face this anxiety anxiety and all and that's because I want to prove my old self wrong. Lastly, to conclude this episode, I want you to listen to episode 221 because when you hide from what scares you, big or small, it grows in size over time and 221 this episode is a great example of that and that's where i'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode thank you everybody for sharing and rating this podcast on spotify on itunes i i I greatly appreciate it I, i i ask for you guys to do that because It'll get the podcast out to more people who are suffering. And lastly, Rise Above Anxiety, I will see you on the next episode. Bye for now. Brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is now available at UnplugAnxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit UnplugAnxiety.com. Details. Recovery starts now.